episode 242 of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast. It is your Tuesday edition. I am Paul Spohr, joined as always on Tuesdays by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? Doing great. Yourself? Not too bad at all. We're getting a ton more rain here in Austin, which is definitely not normal for June, but it looks like we're getting some offshoots of a uh, tropical storm, so could get a ton more rain and flooding, but uh, beyond beyond the weather... Everything's great, and you know we're in the midst of a 105-game week. Every team playing every single day. It can, it just physically can't be that bad. <laughs> I mean, when when you have no off days, how bad can it really be? We got some news to cover. I want to get your thoughts on Byron Buxton. Jason and I did talk a bit about him on Sunday, but I want to get your take after a few games here, and then we're going to play uh, a bit of a game called Hyper Hold. It's the 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 premise behind it is you know there's a handful of these guys that were pretty hyped in the in the preseason uh mostly universally not 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 necessarily uh 100 but you know pretty well hyped uh, industry-wide and we're going to talk about them they're not performing up to those expectations and i want to uh, want you to tell us if you if you think they're just overhyped or if you got to hold on to them and reap some of that value but let's start with the news you know and talk about kyle schwarber who's going to be called up for six games to be DH for the Cubs while they play some interleague games. Now it seems that these, these timetables on guys when they get called up, keep getting shorter and shorter. First Joey Gallo is going to be up just for the two weeks, just for the two weeks. And now I don't think there's any chance that that's the case, but this one seems a little bit more uh, believable given kind of everything that, that Schwarber is about, you know, they're, they're trying to, let him stay catcher as long as he can. He is, you know, it is only his first prof- full professional season. Uh, he is only in Double A, but he is dominating Double A. So uh, I think even if he is only up for six days and then goes back, Kyle Schwarber is going go to go back to Triple A and not Double A. But what do you think of uh, the the latest Uber prospect to come up? Uh, you know, he was he was always supposed to be like super ready, and then the question was always, you know, will he? catch and if he if they pushed him to the outfield they could get him now um and uh they they decided to keep him catching and you know he's still he's still ready to go i think you know with miguel montero there you know from what i've talked to with pitchers they don't really like throwing to miguel montero so interesting um you know i don't know that he's really a standout game caller or, or pitch framer so <clears throat> I'm not sure that he couldn't equal uh, Miguel Montero's work, um, you know, with the with the bat and the glove at this point. So or or, or surpass. So especially with Montero's bat. Uh, well, actually, no. I think it's uh, still been great overall, but I feel like he's in a cold funk recently uh, with yeah. Montero. But but I think he's got enough equity built up. Right. But, I mean, the, the tough part is is like he's he's too good to really you know, to really uh, push down. So I'm, I, the reason I'm bringing this up is because we, the obvious subtext is, you know, and I got the question literally today, what happens if he rakes? Yeah. You know, what six games of up? just crushing. And even even if he just plays his projections, one of his, his projections are amazing, actually. He's projected to be better than league average of the bat, you know, right off the bat, which is, is rare. Uh, especially for a 22-year-old, mm-hmm. and he's he's projected to be worth almost two wins without much uh, defensive value. So, um, you know, this is a guy that could really come on and, and do it right from the beginning, just like he has in the minor leagues. I mean, he hit basically like 350 for the minor leagues. So, um, you know, I, I, I think there's a, a tiny bit of possibility that he could play left, DH, and catch. Okay, just kind of be that that utility sort of guy, um, but, yeah, but an interesting version on it. Beyond that, because I mean, otherwise, the thing is, does he have a lot of of time left? You know, development time that they need. You would say maybe with catching. Okay, I was gonna so say, let's yeah, say yeah, for catching perhaps. Yeah, go back down and work on catching some more. That's all that all you need. Um, but what if he can catch three times a week at the major league level? with major league pitchers and major league coaches around him. If he can catch three times a week, you know, that still leaves Montero, you know, four times a week. Still gives you a good matchup so you can use Montero. It gives you a, a really, like, the best backup catcher in baseball. And, um, you know, it gives you a, a shot at improving. Uh, I know he bats lefty, so it's not like a great 
platoon with uh, Chris Coughlin. But, you know, it's an opportunity to, to improve offense and in left field as well. Here's the thing. So. If, if he – if Kyle Schwarber excels for the six games, what I think that will buy him is a chance to stay up until Jorge Soler gets back at least. And then that'll be another audition, uh, so to speak, because they do have that that hole that they could fill uh, in the outfield there with and, and still keep Coughlin in, who you know is hitting for unexpected power. Fowler has been more good than bad, but uh, I think he's recently broken out of a pretty cold snap himself. So th- there's ways they can make it work. All in all, yeah, he could he could get some time with with Soler, uh, hurt, but Soler's just an ankle, and you know he, he's throwing again, and he's you know he's he's starting to get back into the swing of things. So I doubt that would buy him much more than another two weeks. I mean, at that point, that's that's like double the time that he's being guaranteed now, though. So I, right, and, I, I but, think that's but is like a, a righty, right? So you know it's not very easy to get Coughlin if when Soler's healthy, you get Soler Fowler. And and Coughlin Denorfia basically, and, and sure. Denorfia is a perfect partner for Coughlin because he's righty uh-huh. uh, and he can all the decisions. And you know, with Rizzo healthy and Montero playing and Ross being a really good backup uh, most years, maybe uh, not right now. I just don't see a lot of playing time in there, even though I think he may come up. And, and if he plays for his projections, you know, two fifty, three twenty, four forty. I mean, that's really nice from a 22-year-old, and, you know, people are going to get excited about it. I, I, I mean, you know, that this team is outside the box enough that, like, there's a there's a possibility they trade Montero to another contender um, for a piece that they need. You know, like, this doesn't happen very often, the needs-for-needs needs trade. But, like, you know, maybe they, they trade Montero to a contender and get, uh, you know, this is bullpen help. Sure. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is um, that, you know, maybe another starting pitcher. I don't know. But, um, you know, that's a possibility. But I would say that Schwarber is one of the, the least um, useful call-ups so far in in uh, redraft leagues just yeah. because there's such an end date on it. With the, with the six days, I mean, you know, I, I, I could tend to believe them, take them at their, at their word for it. And then, like I said, at best, another two-week audition with Soler out. But it, it's hard to see the long-term time for, for Kyle Schwarber. If they were going to try to trade for uh, relief help, I doubt they would trade with this team anyway. But they're certainly not going to get it from the Cardinals. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal missed a second straight game uh, with bicep tightness. You know, can you hear that? Can you hear Dana talking on the phone? No, not really. Okay. Can you hear my TV? No. No. Okay. I just want to make sure. Okay. All right. Mark the time there. Turn down David Blatt a little bit. No, that's all right. I can just hear her. And I wasn't sure if you could. Okay. If you can, just obviously interrupt me. But uh, let's start back up on Rosenthal. So uh, he's second straight game missed for, for Trevor Rosenthal with arm tightness. It looks like now they're saying biceps a little bit more specifically. Kevin Sigrist got both saves here. Obviously, if this is a longer term thing. I don't know. I guess just rush out and get Segrist anyway, if you can, because we never know. These things happen so quickly. Um, I'm, I'm not that worried if I'm a Rosenthal owner. It seems minor, but you just never know. So, yeah, I, I guess I would say go out and get Kevin Segrist. What do you think? Yeah, you got to – I mean, I wouldn't – you know, would you drop like Pedro Strope for him? Um, That's pretty tough, yeah. Uh, yeah, I might. I might, I might go ahead and do that. Uh, what 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 is the official word on Chicago right now? Have they just said that they're not naming a singular guy? Is that wasn't that the latest word? Yeah, so it's kind of like get, having a finger in a in a in a in a, in in a, a more steady. Yeah, that there. one's yeah. that's really tough. Uh, between I, those I might two. pick Segrist over over Strope. I mean, Strope didn't haven't gotten a save recently, and that's really almost the. The first rule of, of saves prospecting is who got the last one. That's so, true. Um, uh, so Segrist has gotten two in a row, and uh, and you know there's not. I mean, other than there is one thing that you would point to with Segrist and say, well, you know, normally um, teams don't really love uh, to have a lefty closer. Yeah. But 
Um, I would say that Seagrass change has gotten better this year. His change and his slider both have more do- more depth to him this year, um, giving him really a three-pitch mix with a 93, 94-mile-an-hour gas, um, really stepped up uh, the command uh, another level this year. And, um, you know, other than ground balls, which is, like, amazing. There's a Cardinal who doesn't get good ground balls. But um, but he's on the other end that, of the spectrum where he's, like, super fly ball guy. He really is. And, and that might help him keep a lower BABIP. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's in a nice park for that. So I, I think that all systems go. I don't really see uh, a situation where, I, other than the fact that he's lefty, that where I would say, um, you know, he's fool's gold or whatever. Um. With Sigris as well, you know, for his career, no real platoon split to speak of. In fact, 10 points in favor of lefties with a 627 OPS compared to 617 for righties. So, you know, he, he might have the arsenal to overcome it. Uh, the last bit of injury news that we have here is Delano DeShields hits the disabled list with a hamstring injury. And this is... This one's a bummer. I thought I thought he could really be something speed-wise. I love the fact that he can draw a walk, get on base. Obviously, with the way that offense was playing, that looked good for runs for DeShields. So hamstring injury is about the worst thing that you could get from DeShields because his value is all in his lower half. Uh, so that's a huge bummer. What it does, though, is, is kind of creates an interesting ripple where the Rangers put Joey Gallo out in left field. And so, you know, now – Maybe we're starting to see a path where he finds a way to stick, even when uh, Adrian Beltre returns, and it might be via the outfield. What would you think of that with Gallo? I mean, yes, it's definitely a possibility. And then, and then the fact that Delano DeShields um, has, you know, had some issues in the minors and 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 um, is a right-hander uh, might make him best suited for, especially with Leonis Martin being a lefty, you know, there's, there's a great center field platoon right there. Uh, plus Shin Chu hasn't been as great against righties, uh, I mean, against lefties. Uh, so you could actually platoon him with Chu or Martin, um, and get him playing time and, um, you know, Mitch Moreland even, you know, so there's, there's definitely a versus righties platoon work for him. Plus, there are a bunch of veterans on this team uh, that can get hurt and need time off. So DeShields, I think, uh, can still manage another 100, you know, maybe 150, 200 uh, plate appearances. Um, I'd, I'd probably, t- you know, give him like 100. Because I think Gallo is going to take that left field job for the time being uh, and run with it. And, you know, I, even though I don't think Gallo is going to continue to hit uh, 280, um, you know, he has calmed down the swing strikes a little bit. And since I talked to him about making adjustments, uh, he's swinging less and, um, and whiffing less. So, you know, I think, um, you know, you know, he could hit 230 and do it with a ton of power and, uh, that's going to be hard to uproot with a little bit of speed. So, um, yeah, I, I see that run that working out to, to, to shields coming back to, to a platoon work. That's unfortunate uh, because I think he was offering some nice value, but I totally get it from the Rangers' standpoint. Even I mean, he- well, Odor could continue to, to struggle. I mean, they, I know they didn't want to play Delano Shields in second, and they played Hanser Alberto over him, so you know that doesn't suggest that DeShields can still play second. But yeah, uh, you know things happen. You know, so maybe on his rehab they they try him out at second base a little bit. If you hear that. Uh, then you got to watch out for Odor's stock, and 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 maybe DeShields can get a, a full-time job still. Odor did make a nice impression upon returning, though, with a three-for-three three night, which accounted for 19% of the hits that he's had all year, 16 hits <laughs> uh, in 30 games. So, you know, he, he, he I, I wouldn't be surprised if Odor now kind of played the way that. Uh, that you know, definitely you as one of his biggest proponents kind of thought he would all year. His projections, rest of the season projections look nice. I, I think they should be. He looked great in AAA. I got to see him a couple times down there. The numbers all look great. The, the, the two times I saw him play, Odor looked great. You know, I don't know what it was early on. Who knows? You know, maybe maybe it was just a simple fact that uh, never really got going and, and, and 29 games isn't enough, but it was so bad and he was so young that it was easy to kind of do it, uh, maybe kind of give him that break so the Rangers could afford to do it. Maybe a few years, if he's a few years older, they don't even bother. They just let him work it out there. So either way, it seems like Odor's worked it out. I, I'd be surprised. But, yeah, you're right. If if maybe that first game, 
and the AAA performance that isn't indicative of what Odor can do uh, the rest of the way. And then all of a sudden, that could create some playing time for the Shields. But as somebody who has him in a couple leagues and was excited about his prospects, they've certainly dimmed uh, from here. Yeah. Next thing I want to do, you know, is get your thoughts on Byron Buxton. As I mentioned, Jason and I were able to kind of talk about him a bit on Sunday. Uh, we, you know, we've seen a few games from him. Curious your thoughts. The speed has been just over the top, awesome, really impressive. What do you think we can expect out of Byron Buxton the rest of the way, though? Uh, is this somebody that you're eager about for the remainder of the season? You know, I, I was a little bit worried about him. And honestly, but just, you know, the numbers in high A last year weren't great. And he didn't really set the fall league on fire. And you never know, you know, it's just 200 plate appearances. So it's just really hard to, to know how much to weight that, especially since, you know, these Arizona fall league is, is a new level for him. It's a new level of, of competition for him and he's coming off injury. So it's just, it was a really tough uh, way, you know, tough numbers for him. But if you, you know, now that you look at him, if you take that, that year out and just say, there's a lost year. Just take it away. Don't even look at it. Now you've got a guy who's, you know, walked basically nearly double digits every every step of the way. Um, has a strikeout rate under 20% for his career in the minor leagues. Uh, has had above average power at every step of the way, sometimes plus, and has really just torn up the base pass. So, you know, it is the five-tool uh, dream because he's also got the, the, the center field defense. And his team has such – has – you know, has such dreck, you know, going on for them in, in, in his position, at his position in particular. And, and I, you know, maybe Aaron Hicks has some ability, but, you know, defensively he's a question mark right now, and offensively he's always been a question mark. So uh, I think that he's really got a long leash, um, and the only thing that I see working against him is his age. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's still only 21 years old, and, you know, he may need to adjust. But I see a guy who played in double A for the first time this year and had a 200 ISO, a 10% walk rate, 20% strikeout rate. I mean, there's no, there's no red flags. He was way younger than everybody. It was his first time at the level and he, and he, and he killed it. So I think, you know, maybe there's a little bit of, of an adjustment period, but over the long run, I'll take the over on all of his projections. And this year. Um, so, okay, excellent. You're very high on Byron Buxton. Understandably so. I mean, this, we're talking about a guy, super elite prospect, like pretty much number one across the board. Those projections, Zips has him for four more homers, 10 stolen bases. Steamer and depth charts are at six and seven homers, 14 and 16 on the stolen bases. So you're saying he can beat all of those. Okay, let's talk about some specific outfielders and let me know where you're at between the two. What about uh, Steven Souza Jr.? and Byron Buxton the rest of the way? Uh, assuming batting average league. Yeah, standard 5x5. Five five. Um, you know, I just don't love the, the high strikeout guys. Um, he's definitely going to have more power. I like that he's been stealing bases. I like that he had that five-walk game. That was that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was I had five walks. And no, uh, no hits, no anything else. Just it, was, five. It, it was awesome. I mean, that's yeah, such a cool line. The golden sombrero, or whatever, the platinum sombrero. Um, that has to tell me that he's that he's turning the corner a little bit and uh, might be a little bit better going forward. He's he's had a lot more adjustment time behind him. Um, yeah, five <clears> year difference. Doesn't have the doesn't have the the, the ceiling. Um, he doesn't have the ceiling for sure. If I was in an on-base percentage league, I'd take I'd take Sousa. If I was in a batting average league and uh, was rolling along uh, and was using Sousa as like a versus lefties platoon bat on my bench, mm-hmm. um, I think I'd probably I'd probably keep him because that's that's a, an easy use where you can just plug him in and yeah. And you, a ton of power and speed. I think it's a power, uh, power trade-off there. Power for average, really, um, yeah. b- between those two. Because in the short term, I'm just not sure Buxton's going to hit for all that much power at the major league level, and that's fine. He can still be a premium asset. Um, I-, I think it's Souza for me for the rest of the year. What about with uh, this one? I know it's going to seem crazy because this guy wasn't a prospect, but. He's, he stole stole his 13th base today with his fourth triple as well. Billy Burns or Byron Buxton? 
Yeah, and the, the projections for Billy actually are probably uh, all told worse than Buxton uh, because the projections all assume that uh, he's going to drop down to league average BABIP and have a 240 batting average. Oh, yeah, see, uh, and, that, and then he can't, he can't hold a candle to Buxton's projections at that point. Right, so you know the the projection answer is 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 Buxton. Um, I I really like the twelve and two there, the stolen bases and the and the caught stealings for Burns. I think I would stick with Burns because um, if there's an elite uh, if there's an elite production from either of these guys in any one category, it's going to be Burns' stolen bases. Here's and, the thing. oh sorry, and, and they're playing him at the top of the lineup, whereas you don't. You know, Buxton, is he going to have the green light from the get-go? And Yeah, so I'll take Burns there. And will and will Buxton work his way up the lineup, currently batting ninth? I'm taking Burns here, and, and the thing of it is, and this is, again, redraft, so don't hit me with your dynasty stuff and, and your keeper league stuff. I get the long term. But in a, in a league, I guarantee – I shouldn't guarantee, but I, I would feel that a lot of guys uh, playing would, would rather have Buxton. And I bet you could get Burns – and something in a trade like that, and if you, if especially if you needed the speed, uh, you know, obviously they both deliver that. But you would be, I, th- I think you'd be getting more if you went with Burns and something for Buxton. Uh, and I'd even, like I said, I'd even take it one for one for the rest of the year. Uh, what about Cole Calhoun? He's having an all right year. I think there was there's a lot expected of him. I wouldn't say he's failing against that. Uh, he's been solid, and he's kind of pacing toward his solid but unspectacular season um, again so far this year. What, Cole Calhoun or, or Bill, uh, Byron Buxton? Calhoun. You're going to have to go lower, I think. Okay, let me jump. What about Avisail Garcia? Lower. Anthony Ghost? Yeah, that would, that would be easy. For sure, Buxton over him. Yeah. Uh, well, th- this one doesn't seem lower, I guess, but he's he's been per- producing much lower. Marcelo Zuna, or is, it, is that too high still? Because you expect him to get back on track. Well, we got to take him off of our uh, hyper not list uh, now. Oh, but yeah, that, no. No, no, I, I think it's a good one to ask because Ozuna hasn't shown the power yet, and we're getting close to the point where ISO is stabilizing. He kind of changed his approach a little bit, making more contact, which should be better for his batting average, but he doesn't have speed to offer like Buxton. And uh, if he has sort of middling power and he's projected for like 260-10, it's kind of a boring line. Um, I think I could see dropping Ozuna for the for the uh, the massive upside, you know, especially if I needed Ozuna to to do something and 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 um, he didn't do it for me. So now I need you know the other lightning in a bottle. I could see it. I, I mean, I, I could see Buxton doing better than Ozuna the rest of the way. I can see it too. I'm not sure I'm ready to pull the trigger, um, but I, I can I can see it on Ozuna. He has definitely disappointed so far. It has been hype, uh, but I would I would hold. I think I would hold. Push comes. Well, Ozuna really changed his his bad ball mix. I mean, he's yeah, really 52 percent on the ground ball right now. Oof. Yeah, he's and and it's been good for his batting average. And I could see how someone might tell him to do that because he's going oppo more. Sure. Uh, and he's still maintaining hard contact, so there's still reasons to believe that. He can do better, but I just I just think that that's I mean he's really he halved his home runs per fly ball rate, and I think this is um, sometimes you know certain players do not need to go oppo more and have a better batting average. Certain players you know just keep just raking. Power. Yeah, I know I, I I I hear you on that one. Uh, okay, so yeah, I mean Buxton, it's going to be really interesting to kind of see what he can do. So hope he stays up the whole year. And uh, and he could be a special player right right off the right off the bat, but at 21, there's a lot of risk. So just I mean, don't get too crazy, especially in a redraft league, trading to try to catch that lightning in a bottle. All right, you know, let's talk about some some hyper hold guys here. Again, the premise is these guys came in with a lot of hype, expected to be high impact players. So far, they have not been. I'm curious if you're still holding or you thought think it's some hype and you're ready to sell off. I pretty much know the answer to this one, but I feel like the, the, the non-believers out there probably want to hear uh, what's going on with this guy and maybe get some reinforcement. And that's Mookie Betts. Obviously came in with as much hype as, as anybody, really. Um, and he, and he, Betts has not been 
bad. I think because the batting average is low, it feels bad, and, and, and uh, batting average and the on-base, 246 and 303 for Betts, respectively. So it feels bad, but he's pacing for 16 homers and 27 stolen bases. I mean, that's that's good. But the fact is, the, the, the whole package was expected to be delivered, including the batting average and on-base. So the fact is, he's still underwhelmed against expectations. Where are you with Mookie Betts? Well, I did just train him for Miguel Cabrera in a in a dynasty league, a twenty team dynasty league, and uh, my my question was mostly the the pop ups. Um, you know, will the will the pop ups stay there his whole career? Uh, there's a similar player that we've always talked about on this, uh, Anderson Simmons, where the pop ups have not gone away, um, and. Um, you know, I have a feeling that uh, the, the pop-ups may stick around and keep his Babbitt low. Maybe he has a couple of years where it goes nuts, but um, you know, he I may he may not be ever like a 340 um, uh, Babbitt guy. Plus, his hard percentage is is not very great. His soft percentage is a little bit higher than usual. So, um, you know, he's not uh, necessarily a slugger um, mm-hmm. that's going to slug his way and, and hard hit his way to a great Babbitt. So. I think there's enough room there to wonder if maybe his career batting average is going to be more like 260, 270 than the 300 that his swing strike rate and strikeout rate seem to portend. I mean, it might be, um, you know, not as great on the batting average front. That will steal a little bit of the on-base percentage um, upside from him. And, um, you know, I did talk to uh, to a couple talent evaluators about them, and they did think that his ceiling was, you know, you know, very similar to his rest of season projection. I mean, they told me his ceiling they thought was 340, 350 on base percentage, um, you know, with uh, with league average power. Um, so it could be one of these guys that just comes in and, and, and gets to a ceiling right away and uh, doesn't have a lot of projection left. That's That would fit with his body type. And that's about the most negative I can be. And the, the reason I made the trade, obviously, is because Miguel Herrera. So, yeah, you, uh, that you, was, you, uh, did get, you did get a pretty good return there. Yeah, so that's the that's the most negative I can be. I mean, otherwise, I love the way he makes contact. Uh, I, it should lead to a better batting average. I love his power-speed combo. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it doesn't grow beyond this, he's never going to be the guy that you have to put a zero in your in your home run category to get the steals from. Exactly. Uh, and uh, you know, even getting even if he slows down a little bit in the power department, and maybe in an effort to. To to uh, to to have a better batting average, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe if he only ends the season with 12 homers and 28 stolen bases, and and no one, everyone says, oh well, he didn't hit 15 homers, or he didn't steal 30 bases, or he didn't steal, he didn't hit 300. Well, he did enough of everything that uh, he's going to be a top-rated player. The only reason I took Cabrera for him is that I was, I'm not sure he's going to be a top three player. Exactly, Um, and so I. Feels like Miggy will be. Yeah, so, you know, and... But, you know, another thing that came up in it that that made me almost not take the deal is that we we talk often on this about how bad uh, the stolen-based aging curve is. And, um, you know, our league really loves young players. So I know that I put myself... I was, you know, second in stolen bases before this deal. I know I put myself behind the eight ball in a way when it comes to going out and getting more speed because... You know, I already have Michael Bourne on my team. You know, there's not a lot of other Michael Bournes. And how many Michael Bournes do you want to roster anyway? So, exactly. Not too uh, many. So I, I am now stuck trying to figure out how to, to, to squeeze a couple more stolen bases out of my roster. Um, and that's exactly what happened. The other team was in first, and they just really wanted to make sure they won this year. And they were willing to give up Miguel Cabrera this year for a stolen base uh, boost this year and uh, some upside in the future. So. Anyway, that's the most negative I can be. I think that reads in general as a as a hold and a buy. Basically. I was going to say, uh, yeah. even though you did trade, that's not because you thought it was hype. That was because you got an amazing return. In fact, I'd say no, his value hadn't diminished at all in that mm-hmm. league based on that. But I do think that this next guy's value has probably diminished some because uh, the expectations of, of maybe recapturing his dream season – I think are starting to fade away. That's Chris Davis. And the the thing with him, I don't think anybody's necessarily surprised at what he's doing. Um, 
But the reason that there uh, there was such hope about maybe returning, you know, not exactly to 2013, but maybe getting uh, at least surpassing last year when he hit 196 with 26 homers, and this is Chris Davis with a C. Um, there, there were expectations that okay, now we can get back into the 250 and 35 homers at the very least. And I think a big part of that was the fact that he got his therapeutic use exemption back to get back on Adderall, plain and simple. I mean, the thing that he was suspended for last year, I think a lot of people put in stock in, okay, he's back on that. That's going to help him. Well, he, Yeah, but he was – I mean, the reason he got popped last year, he was still on it. <laughs> yeah, that, well, yeah, but, but, but all year, I guess. I, I don't know. But yeah. the fact is yeah. – that that was used as a reason, like okay, if he needs this to perform at the level of 2013, then maybe he'll start doing it. He hasn't quite been just uh, the 2014 level, but he certainly hasn't been what I think uh, his most ardent supporters thought he would be. So was it just some some hype on on Chris Davis kind of returning to the elite level, or is he just kind of his good uh, our era Russell Brannion self? Yeah, I think he's where he is now. I mean, the the other there's a couple other wrinkles is the shift, and then you know there's some uh, breaking ball fastball uh, situation where uh, you know they stopped throwing a fastballs at some point last year, and and again uh, this year is the second lowest the fastball percentage he's ever seen. So they're still not really throwing a fastballs, and they're still shifting him as much as ever. Um, but uh, I don't think you need to necessarily hit 242 into a shift. Like I think. Um, you know, the shift can rob a couple points, but it, it shouldn't rob you 60 points of Babbitt. So, okay. um, you know, I, I think that the, uh, the Babbitt last year was a little bit suppressed and, um, and, uh, and that was part of this year. Yeah. 291 this year. That seems sustainable. Uh, given his strikeout rate, you know, given that Babbitt, the, the 230 batting average seems right on point. The 235 ISO is right by his career level. And he's 29 years old, so you know he doesn't necessarily, you know, that his age doesn't predict that he should be way above his uh, career ISO. So, um, you know, I think basically this is who he is. This is who he is, and um, it's pretty amazing that he even got to this level, considering that uh, at you know for most of his prospect career and coming up with the Rangers, the first he looked like a guy who would not walk enough. Uh, to to make the strikeouts play. Yeah, uh, we always knew he had the power, but we thought he'd walk five percent of the time, strike out thirty percent of the time, and then and what? basically be the two thirty eight, two eighty four, four forty two guy. He was <laughs> in two thousand nine with the Rangers, which is not going to play really. I mean, especially without defensive value, it's just no, it, it's, it's not good. And I, I sold him short with, with this era's Russell Brania. It's probably more of a uh, this era's sort of like uh, Adam Dunn light kind of deal. But the fact is, I. What he's at right now is perfectly fine. That's why I said his good self as opposed to the elite self. I think you just hold him expecting more of this though, not – don't go out and buy him expecting more. The one thing, the one interesting thing is he is crushing the ball a bit more than, than last year. The hard percentage is way up and the, and the soft percentage is at a career low 7%. So – but he's already got a 22% homer to fly ball rate, which is in line with his career. So I just don't know that this just might be it, which, which again, is fine. He's already got 13 homers and a 230 average. Uh, he's going to end up with a with a quality season. Just seems that uh, there were some that were thinking a return to 2013 was on the horizon. Let's talk about Ian Desmond because he has been a nightmare. Uh, three years in a row with 2020. Made him very intriguing at the shortstop position. I think we all knew it was going to be a bad position coming into the year, and it's actually been worse. You know, kind of undersold it. It's just been so bad. So the fact that he's been so awful uh, definitely hasn't helped. Desmond's hitting 222, five homers, just one steal in three attempts. Was it just a bunch of hype with the three big seasons and thinking that he could do it again, uh, or is this somebody that you should hang on to? It's gonna he's gonna to get to his numbers. Uh, you know, I, I called him uh, risky going into the season uh, this year because of the way that he approaches the play, the, the plate discipline. Um, and there was always a risk that his batting average would, I don't know if crater, but I mean, right now he's got a regular old 300 BABIP and this is a 222 uh, batting average. I mean, yeah, I, was, I was really worried about that 28% strikeout rate last year and you know, in general, his package is mostly tools-driven, I would say, and not 
it's not what I would call refined. Um, you know, uh, I hate if there's any sort of latent racism or anything I'm saying, but you know, it's like, if you watch him play, he's a very aggressive guy, aggressive on the base pass, aggressive defensively, makes a lot of errors defensively, strikes out a ton, doesn't walk, but shows great power when he connects. So it's, it is a rough up and down package. And this was the worst case scenario. I think what the thing I'm most worried about is where the steals have gone. Yeah. And given that he's only attempted three so far this year, I don't think he's going to attempt any more. So that makes him, you got to take that out of those rest of season projections almost. And that makes him basically a 250 hitter, uh, 250 to 260 hitter with 10 home runs. Now that plays. Just, that plays because of shortstop, of course. Uh, it doesn't make him, it doesn't make him the guy who's going to end the season. So um, do, you, do you hold him just because of, hold, the, hold him just because of the position then? Uh, yeah, I mean, people are asking, like, if I drop him for Gong or, um, you know, other guys like that. And, uh, I don't think so. I mean, Gong's not even playing every day. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, what's another guy? I mean, maybe, uh, not to, you know, pick ahead in any, in any fictional, um, lineup of people we might be playing, uh, right, talking about today, but, um, Xander Bogarts, I think, deserves to be put up against him because Xander's probably going to hit for better batting average, has, has attempted five stolen bases, and has actually been successful in four. Mm-hmm. And we always thought he would have more power than he's had right now. So there's some upside power-wise. He's probably going to steal more bases and have a better batting average. So, you know, would I drop him? No, but would I try to get Xander Bogarts on my Ian Desmond team somehow? I think I would maybe, and I think I might even play him over Desmond, and maybe play some matchups and and just try to get the most out of two you know bottom shelf uh, mixed league shortstops. But um, you know, in terms of dynasty, rest of career and stuff, I'm definitely buying into Xander Bogarts. Like if I could definitely. trade Desmond for Xander Bogarts in a dynasty league, I would. And, and Bogarts was next on the list, and again, he's probably closer to the uh, Chris Davis scenario where he's certainly not killing any sort of team, neither neither is Betts. Desmond, so far, is the only guy who's actively really hurting you by falling short of expectations here. Uh, but Bogarts, you know, 12th on the ESPN player radar at shortstop, so even though it's been all right, 289, three homers, four stolen bases, 26 runs, 25 ribbies, it's been an all right season, but it hasn't been the breakout yet, but he is still just 22. I think I already kind of gathered that you're, you're holding, um, and then it's not just hype. There are a lot of things to like about what, what Bogarts has done, um, except for the fact that he is hitting at the ball at a 26% soft rate. That's not that's not great. Um, and, and hitting the ball on the ground a bunch more. So I don't know if the power is going to come just yet, but the, the expectation is obviously there. 5% home and a fly ball rate, but it seems the batted ball profile kind of explains some of that with Bogart. You know, I, I really don't want to split the soft, medium, hard too, data too much, um, but at least in June, it's down to 18%. Like, he's definitely okay, so that's, yeah. shifted his profile from soft to hard. I mean, his hard went from 23 to 36%. So, I mean, there's definitely something going on there. He's definitely still hitting on the ground a lot, but more line drives, harder hit. Spraying the ball. I think if you're watching him, you know, I've watched him a few games recently, and, um, you know, I thought uh, – I thought – he looked good. I thought. I, th- I think his approach looks good. I think he looks like a really young, great young player. And on the rise could, still. Yeah. yeah I, if I could get him anywhere, I would do it. I, 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 yeah. I've been expecting and looking for the breakout for sure. Um, like I said, this season's not killing you or anything, and his price wasn't high enough that even if he fell off this these paces, it wouldn't kill you. But I'm, I'm I can't wait till he busts out. But he's only 22, so maybe I just have to be patient with Xander Bogarts. Let's move on to the next guy here, uh, Mike Zunino. And, you know, the, the big knock coming in was the fact that, listen, you can't hit anything with a wrinkle, but at least he'll crush curve, uh, fastballs. And, you know, you're, you're, you're going to take the batting, bad batting average in the idea with the idea that you're going to get 20 homers. Well, this year he can't – Zanino can't even hit fastballs. Uh, he's got seven homers because when he does connect, he does still have pop, but he's hitting 161. It has been so brutal. Um, 
I definitely think there was some too much hype around this guy, but do you think this was uh, a case of too much hype or, or somebody that you should hang on to because better days are ahead? I'm out. Yeah, so out. I'm out. I mean, I, JPR and Subia, you know. Oof, not a great comp. With, de- <laughs> with, with, with defense. Did, did JPR and Subia have good defense? I can't really recall. Yeah, Subia you know, has better defense, so the Mariners are okay with that. If, if JPA could – uh, frame or, or do anything, then um, he might have stuck around more. Oh, yeah, I think so. Especially, I mean, he got, he got a couple chances anyway. It, that's, yeah. All out, but 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 imagine because look at some look at somebody like Jose Molina who was sticking around just because he could do the behind the dish stuff. You know, JPA if he could have done some <laughs> of that with the fact that he can actually hit a, a so. little lick uh, that could have been huge for him as a catcher. But yeah, so Zanino, uh, we're, we're 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 both out right now. I'm not saying. I told- any- Go ahead. I told, just as a side story, I told Brian McCann um, that Jose Molina ranked highly in their uh, career, uh, the over-base offers, actually the career called um, the career uh, framing uh, thing that they did. Yeah. And um, and that he was like first or second. And then I said something like offhand, like, that's how he stayed in the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. McCann uh, appreciated that when he laughed pretty hard. That's funny. <clears throat> McCann, uh, he's been he's been all right. He's definitely not on this. Oh, dude, Machado. Sorry, I got sidetracked. Machado hitting two bombs. He hasn't, oh. he hasn't been hype. He's been killing it. 288, <clears throat> 346, 506. That's his triple slash now. All right, uh, I got a couple more guys here. Christian Yelich, another guy who came in uh, with some hype around him after a really nice season last year. I've, I've made it clear that I thought that the, the projected power spike was a little bit much. Uh, for expect you know for what we should expect based on what we'd seen from him maybe maybe further down the line uh, but it's it's been it's been a tough year so far he hasn't really gotten going but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a rally to at least you know the kind of levels that he had last year where are you at on Christian Yelich right about now uh, you know I can't believe that his uh, I can't believe that he's that he's uh, thro- hitting more ground ball. <laughs> Right, I I just looked at his monthly split. Seventy percent. Seventy percent in June. It's just, it's uh, and you know it, it is kind of impressive that in May and June he hit you know sixty five to seventy percent ground balls, and yet managed to sixteen eighteen percent uh, home runs per fly ball. So right, that's where the hope comes from. Like here's a guy who hits it on the ground, but still does have power and. You know, there is a chance for him to sort of outperform his strikeout rate when it comes to batting average because a guy who can spray it um, like he does and hit it hard and, you know, get it out and hit it on the ground and has a little bit of speed, that's the kind of guy who's going to hit 280 even with a, you know, 23, 24% strikeout rate. So that's, I think, good enough to, to, to have hope for him. Plus, six stolen base attempts in 190 pl- plate appearances. Um, you know, that would be 18 to 20, uh, attempts over the season. I'll take that. Um, you know, plus, you know, nation power, you know, and plus he, he's 23. He, he could get the, uh, the stolen base attempts kicking up more a little bit as he's now, you know, healthier, uh, you, you'd think. So I, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of upped those rates. Let's, let's move on to Jason Hayward. Um, you know he's he's been disappointing folks for a while now. The interesting thing is, you know, the the, the rates haven't been good. That his Jason Hayward's triple slash two fifty seven three hundred one three eighty six, but you know, pacing toward fourteen homers, seventeen stolen bases, not not bad, but fifty ribbies, seventy seven runs. It's just it hasn't been there. And uh, you know, ever since that twenty twelve, he's had these expectations on him. Um, and you know, the last two seasons really weren't all that bad from from a composite standpoint uh especially for his age but they were you know it's been kind of progressively lower that he keeps dipping with that ops and now he's at a career low 687 where you at on a 25 year old free agent to be jason hayward you know i think i'd be interested i'd like to talk to him about mechanics and, and try to get you know the, the the hitting mechanics crew together because you know in terms of physical tools and, and even past experience, we know that he has power mm-hmm. and he's not out of his power peak at, at 25. He should be entering it. So there's something he does that 
saps power. Now, you know, the year that he hit for all that power had the worst strikeout rate. So maybe he decided that he didn't want to, you know, strike out that much and uh, wanted to, to make more contact and, um, you know, maybe go the go the other way more. He's He definitely has gone the, the other way the most uh, in his career the last two years. So that could be sapping him from some power. And this could be sort of what we were talking about before. Is that like, you know, going the other way is nice if you've got, you know, Joey Votto power and you can actually, you know, muscle it out the other way. But not everybody can. Maybe he should think about pulling it some. Um, and, uh, you know, it has to take someone to shine off of him that he's so close to his peak and this is this is what he's doing. And I do know that some of it is also recency bias because he's been better, um, you know, in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what is it? What does it look like? You know, for uh, well, he had a pretty good May, um, and then back to a power outage here in June. You know, right. seven eighty three OPS, two eighty four, three forty four, forty three line in May. If that's a full season line for Jason Hayward, I don't think anyone's complaining. Um, he's still hitting two eighty two in June, but you're right. There's no power there, and power is really the question mark. I mean, that power is what we're talking about, and you know, in terms of pulling the ball. He hasn't really, um, you know, what I would say, rediscovered his pull percentage this year. You know, he's he's uh, he's still he's actually pulling the ball less with every month, um, and I think that's related to his hard percentage going down. It's, you know, you definitely get power from pulling, and I don't think I know I love Joey Votto, and I think you know what Joey Votto does is perfect for Joey Votto. Uh, but I don't necessarily think that it's necessarily perfect for people that don't have that standout power. I mean, and if you look at Jason Hayward, he's right there in that sort of 140 to 170 ISO. That's not a guy that screams to me, hey, this guy can muscle it out to any part of the park and um, he should really have a spray approach. I mean, maybe this guy, sh- and his batting average for his career is 260 anyway. Maybe he should just hit 260 with 25 home run power. Yes, I, I wish he would. With his defense, that would that would play. That would get him a lot of money. Of course, of course. Fifty nine percent ground ball rate this year, so bad. Um, I'm still holding out some hope. I really am, but uh, at this point, I, I'd be fielding offers. I mean, it was it was at a point for me uh, with with how much I like Jason Hayward and expected big things from him that I wouldn't even really listen to trades uh, on him. But I, I've at least moved a level now. You know, I, I would actively look at trading him if somebody else wanted to wanted to buy in. I would definitely divest some of my uh, my Hayward shares because it might just be, you know, something that that doesn't even click now till like 27 or 28. I, I I could I could still see it being something that he circles all the way back around in his late 20s to what, what we saw in those early 20s. Um, it's so frustrating though, because when he's at his best, Jason Hayward look, it looks like he's just such a great ball player. I guess they all do; they're major leaguers. But I think he looks especially like elite yeah, level. He had patience and power and defense and could run and looks just like you know he he looks like a ball player. I guess yeah, you know? right it's out of central five, casting. Five and yeah, I just uh, I I wouldn't I don't think I, I would I would acquire him if the price was super low. Especially in like an on-base percentage league. What, what is uh, super low? In a, in a, in a, in especially like Colin McHugh. I'd give you Colin McHugh for Jason Hayward. What if I, I wanted you to give me something better? <laughs> what if I said uh, um, John I Lackey? Not sure I'd give you – I wouldn't give you Brett Gardner. I'd give you John Lackey for sure. I guess, you know, for me, I'd give you any sort of pitching. I'd probably – um, go higher the pitching. I mean, would I go as high? I'd give you Quintana. Um, okay, I'd do that. I mean, that's if I need a pitching, that's that's a, well, that's another one of my guys. Though. I'm a big Quintana fan, so I'd be I'd be okay with that, assuming I had the right outfield coverage. I would want to decimate my outfield to go get uh, Jason Hayward. What about uh, what about some of the names I mentioned earlier? With with um, I think I can't remember who we were comparing, but um, some of those outfield names like Hayward or Avisel Garcia. Is that close for you? Mm. Well, that's interesting because Garcia's, you know, there's a there's a chance Garcia's, you know, He's over his great. head a little bit with the Babbitt. Sure. 
And, you know, if the batting average goes down and the power doesn't come up to meet it, um, it could be a good but not great season. But even with that caveat, he's in a better power park. It's about to get warm in the cell. He, yeah, two for seven attempts on the base pass is not great. But no, but they're still letting him run, I guess. You know, still letting him work it out. You know, right now he's projected out to finish uh, about 275, um, you know, 16 to 18 homers and seven stolen bases. Um, that would that, you know, I guess if I could give you a pitcher in Hayward, a pitcher in Abisel Garcia, and you give me Hayward and a pitcher that's a little bit better than my pitcher, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where I where I feel like, ooh, maybe I got the best both players, then I would do it. But if it was a straight-up ranking, Abisale would go above Hayward. I, could, I, I, I can understand all of that. That, 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 all, that all computes. Like, it's close. I think it's closer than most people think. It's yeah. close. It's still the way people think. It's still, it's still Garcia, probably. Well, you know, that's the thing. There's still a lot of our Hayward believers out there that might think when you say the way it's supposed to go – no, they think the way it's supposed to go is Hayward should be above, and I think that there is a very easy case to say I, that's just not the, that's just not the situation anymore, especially the way Garcia has been playing. Yeah, we don't know. We don't. We don't. Even now, we don't know what Hayward and St. Louis is going to look like power wise. So we don't. We don't know that more power is coming, you know, necessarily because it is a pitcher's park, and his ISO is higher than last year's, but it's you know it's not out of the realm of possibility that he ends the season with a 130 ISO. Um, whereas so crappy. Garcia is a young man emerging in a great home park. You know, it's just a better, better scenario there. Yeah. I do like, I mean, the fact that if I was going to make that deal, I would, I would talk myself into it with the six stolen base attempts to in seven, in seven tries uh, from Hayward versus the two stolen bases and seven tries from Garcia and talk myself into the fact that their their power going forward is is at least comparable. That makes that makes complete sense. Uh, we're gonna do pitchers on Thursday, guys. Talked about ho- hyper hope, obviously uh, hyper hold rather. A lot of gonna be a lot of candidates there. We'll have to whittle them down. Um, but until then, you know, we're gonna go ahead and get out of here. Be back in a couple of days. Take care. I'm gonna try to stay dry. We're expecting to get a ton more rain here in Austin, uh, but we will talk on Thursday. Take care, you know. All right. All right, bye.